Welcome to Oikos. How are y'all doing? Awesome. So let's give thanks for Ian. Didn't he do a great job? So for those of you who may have missed the commissioning or may have not uh, realized who Ian is, Ian is our worship leader intern, and he just started with us about a month ago or so, and he is uh, learning what it looks like to gather people into the name of the Lord in worship, whether it's here on Sundays or throughout the week during the rest of their lives as well. And so he's walking alongside of Jason, and so on Particular Sundays, you're going to see that Jason is not up here, and you're going to wonder, you know, what happened to him? Did he, you know, lose his voice? What is he doing? Well, he's actually observing Ian so they can speak into his life and encourage him to continue to grow with the Lord. Isn't that awesome? Awesome. Because we are a church that we are trying to get away from personality, that it's all about a couple personalities. We don't want it to be just about Aaron and Jason, so there will be Sundays that you'll also see other people preaching. So you've seen Wynn preach, right? So you're going to see Wynn preach more. Is that good? Great. So this morning, that means I'm not going to work at all. So I'm, I'm getting ready. I'm, going to skip. I'm just going to have a little recliner up here. I think they call that a bishop's chair or something. No, just kidding. Okay, this morning, I love the confession song is Come As You Are, and I hope that you walked into the doors this morning not trying to present yourself as someone different, not trying to um, assume what others are thinking and feel like you need to be that, but that your approval would just come, that you would have that sense of approval already. One of the things I do Um, as I'm concentrating and thinking about the Lord speaking in my own heart, is that I look at that stained glass window, and that, I don't know if there was some artist that was Lutheran (laughs) that made this design, but this is the same, almost probably a replica of the stained glass window that I grew up with as a little kid. And when I look at that image of Jesus, now he may not look like that, Who knows what he looks like? But it's enough for me to say he's welcoming me to be with him. And that's the words that I say to to myself as I get ready to preach or as I get ready to do anything is, thank you, Jesus, for welcoming me just as I am. Not who I think you want me to be because I'm not there, but just as I am. This morning, we're going to look at what it means to look at your prayer life and ask yourself a couple questions as you approach the Lord. Jesus did the same thing with his people, and he looked at this parable. We're in Luke chapter 18, so if you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles, we've got Bibles on the chairs, or maybe a few underneath the table over there where the offering box is. You can grab a Bible if you want to do it that way. If you have a smartphone device, you can also go on our public Wi-Fi go to Luke chapter 18. We're going to look at two parables this morning. And they're specifically going to speak to us about what it looks like and how it should look to approach God. Chapter 18, verse 1. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story or a parable 
to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about the people. If you've got your own Bible or if you're online, just highlight that because it's key in this parable. He didn't fear God and he didn't care about people. What would you say that person is like? Is he likable? Probably not. Would you want to be his friend? Well, gosh, I guess the rest of you would. There's about two of you that said no. Would you want to be his friend? It's not a trick question. If people don't care about you, are they easy to be a friend to? No. Amen, right? If they don't care about you, you don't want to be their friend? I mean, get real. Don't. Remember I said, come as you are. <laughs> not how you think I want you to be. Now, Jesus would say later in a parable to love your enemy, but that's not this parable. So, he was a wicked man. He neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people. But this woman is driving me crazy. Oh, wait, I was almost going to say something, and then I just retracted it in my mind. <laughs> but now that I said it, you're going to wonder what I just said. I was going to ask a question, have you ever been driven crazy by a woman? And then I decided I shouldn't do that. Don't raise your Well, if you are a woman, you can raise your hand. But if you're a man, don't do it. Okay. I've, ne I've never experienced it. I just wanted to see. Oh, I'm sorry. Back to the word. So the judge, the judge, let's go back to the judge. I probably lost everybody right now. But this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? Then Jesus told the story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, just a reminder of what a Pharisee was. They were the protectors of the law of God. And to protect that law of God, they even added laws to protect that law. So they continued to add laws so that they could protect the law of God. And they felt that their salvation was found in protecting the law rather than living in love. And the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else. For I don't cheat. I don't sin. And I don't commit 
adultery. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus uses this brilliant way of arguing a truth. He takes an extreme point, right? So he takes a wicked judge, and then before him he places a widow who has no standing, no defense, no resources. So he puts these two people together, a wicked judge who doesn't care about people, and a widow who needs people to care about her for her to be taken care of. Do you see the huge difference? And this widow has enough courage and confidence to step before this man, this wicked, wicked man, day in and day out, asking for the same thing over and over and over again. What Jesus is trying to explain to the disciples is that if you take someone who's like this, and then you have someone like this, the widow, and she does this and her, her request is answered, then surely, if you take someone like your Father in heaven who is not like this, wouldn't he listen to your requests? The thing is, is that he's encouraging them to be like her. Because many of us in this room don't have the confidence to approach God about the things that are on our heart. I think many of us walked in today and there are struggles. There are obstacles. There's things going on in our mind that we're thinking about. Some of those things are hurtful things. Some of those things are desires. We're trying to wage between what's my desire and what's something that's from God. Some of us are faced with sickness. A sickness that we didn't ask for and we just, we just have. Now when you're faced with struggles and you want to follow Jesus... You have to hold on, right? So walking with Jesus is this constant test when something comes against us. Would you all agree? And you want to hold on to more than just yourself. Would you all agree? And you want to hold on to more than just those around you. Is that correct? I mean, that's good, right? you got to hold on to yourself, keep yourself together when you're pressing on for what the Lord has called you. You want to press into your family to help you. But most of all, you got to hold on to God. 
Because you don't want to let go. Because if you let go, all is lost. I think many of the times we face something like a sickness or an illness or, or a loss, a struggle. And maybe some of you go, well, I'm facing that because it's a direct chastisement from the Lord. Something that I did. I chose that road. So he did this. Or I have this sickness because when I was a kid, I skipped out of Sunday school. Or I have this loss in my life. I lost my spouse too soon because... I wasn't faithful in my own mind. So God's punishing me for the, not the physical adultery, but the mental adultery that I had. Have you ever had that feeling? How many of you had the feeling that God is punishing you for something you've done? I know I have. I think back, the moment something bad happens, it's, I'm not telling you this is healthy. It's not healthy. In fact, I, I have to go into a process of saying, this is not true. But the moment something bad happens, I start thinking through, what did I do? Now, sometimes our actions do make consequences, right? It's just kind of the realm of life. But many times I think we get into these difficulties and we think that God is punishing us or he's trying to build in some kind of lesson for us to learn. And so we don't want to pray the desire that's on our heart to lift that from us. So the widow approached this unjust judge because there was an injustice done to her. We don't even know what that was. But she went there every day. Now, this is a parable, so we don't know that this actually happened. But it perhaps was something that Jesus did witness. And then moved it into a parable, a lesson teaching, so that people can learn from it. But she approached this unjust judge as Jesus taught over and over and over to receive justice. So if it's a loving father who you're approaching... I want you to think about those of you who are parents. You have a direct connection right now. For those of you who have been parented, I want you to think back when you were parented, what it looked like. And for those of you who step into people's lives all the time because they're not parenting and you parent for them, think about this. When your child comes up to you after a consequence that they did and you said, this is your consequence and you see that their heart is breaking and that they have learned their lesson, do you continue to hammer the consequence <laughs> We're not all perfect. That's why we're here. So when you continue to see that your child's heart is broken, I'm going to guess 
that your heart begins to break. That doesn't mean that you take away the consequence. It doesn't mean that you relieve it every time. But your heart begins to break for them. And what I've noticed in my own parenting is that what I want to do is then I want to step down into their brokenness. I want to step into that consequence, even if I'm the one that gave it, and let them know that they're not alone. Because I love them. And I am not perfect. We've already got that out of the way. So our Father who is, surely, even if you're living through a consequence, is in it with you. But I'm going to tell you, let's step even further. Because you're going to say, well, what should I pray? Should I ask him to relieve that consequence? When that's what I'm supposed to be learning? I'm supposed to be learning a lesson? Should I ask him to just take that away? Because that doesn't make sense. I mean, he, if he wants to, you know, hit me down, then let him hit me down. Let's get it over with. But I'm going to tell you, Pray what your heart desires. If your heart desires for him to relieve it, you've acknowledged that you've, you messed up or you don't even know what you did, but this thing is happening, ask him, like the widow asked the unjust judge. Because guess what? Maybe you didn't know this. But we cannot, in our limited capacity, Figure out God. We cannot, in our limited capacity, play a game with God and win. And it, maybe I'm the only one that plays these games. But I'm like, well, maybe I jump into my, my uh, brokenness quickly. The Lord will take this away. So if I do an action then he'll give me an action. Or, how many of you have done this? You screwed up. So then you do a lot of good things to make up? Come on, how many of you have done it? It's confession. Oh, I've done that one. You're never sure if you've done quite good enough, right? Like, and you're almost having that conversation. Did you see that? I know, I want you to forget that. But did you see this and this? I added it. And tomorrow I'll do more. Just take it. Why don't I stop and take the posture of the widow who with confidence steps before the judge and says, Lord, my heart is breaking. Take this from me. Take it from me. We should not think of God as that wicked judge, but I think we do. We forget that he's for us. That he's always been for us. He's never been against us. He's always been for us. We forget that. We forget it when we go to school for the first day. That's going to happen for a lot of us next week. And we're going to hit some hard things like Friends who we thought were friends are no longer our friends. Teachers who we thought were for us don't seem to be for us. Mom and dad who are supposed to be helping 
didn't help. We're going to face some things as parents as our kids go back to school. Adjusting and realizing we screwed that up. How do we make that right? We're going to screw some relationships up next week because we're going to say something that's not quite right. Or a comment that's in our head that should stay in our head slips out of our mouth. And we're going to have to say, do I, do I believe I can go to the Lord in confidence and ask him to forgive me, but also repair this? Our God has been after restoring this world from the very beginning. So the things that you came in today that are broken, that you haven't had the courage to set before the king who sees you as his child, and is for you. What we learn from the unjust judge and the widow is that God is inviting us to step into that confidence. He wants us to ask him to relieve us from the things that are hurting us. So we come to God as his children. And we say, Lord, help bring heaven to this situation because in heaven none of this exists and I know you hear me I know you hear me because you're not an unjust judge you're a loving loving father so we are children who stand before God in confidence we are children who stand before God in confidence because we are his children. We are also sinners who need to be saved. So the second parable, we don't demand out of entitlement. Have you guys ever had a demand made out of you? Or someone demands something out of entitlement? Because they feel entitled to have that? When I've never done that to you. Just <laughs> when shaking his head like this. Yes, we've had that, right? You have people who just feel like they're entitled and they go right to you and they go, I demand this. What we learn from the second parable is God is inviting us not to do that. To not operate that way with him. Instead, he's asking us to come before him in confidence, but also in humility. Let's lie. I'm waiting for all the hands to raise up because it's critical that you all identify that you're a liar. Okay? It's a first step. This is the step that the Pharisee missed. Right? This is the first thing that he missed. He missed that we all do something almost every day and that's probably lie. See, I even kind of couched that a little bit, didn't I? Probably. <laughs> Don't we love that? Like, how can I make it, how can I say this to just make myself look a little better? Have you ever done that? Have you ever omitted, omitted certain facts because they weren't totally 
enlightening upon you. Have you ever omitted the facts? Yeah, just, you can change hands if you want to. You can stretch. So how many of you have embellished something because it makes the story sound better? I wasn't looking at you, Ken. <laughs> you know, this week we got to see a little bit of this, right? If you were watching the Olympics, you saw Lochte, great American swimmer. Hands down, great American swimmer. He went and did something stupid. It wasn't major. I mean, and I won't make you raise your hands, but I bet many of us have been drunk before. But you all church people, so you don't do that. <laughs> but your pastor has been drunk before. Not because I was smart. He pulled the poster down. How many of us have done something like that? But we didn't get caught. Or even better yet, because our significance in the world stature isn't as high, no one cared. But he got caught on camera. And when faced with opposition, rather than taking the humble route, he did what many of us do. How can I omit certain facts? take facts that happened and embellish them to make it look better for myself. We do this, people, not just with each other, but we do it with God. And Jesus is inviting us to not try to portray ourselves as something worth saving. Because he's already declared that we are. We don't have to prove that to him. We don't have to prove to him that we're worth forgiving. What he wants us to do is to turn towards him and say, in honesty, I'm a screw up. And I need you. And that's the, what we learn in this parable about the Pharisee and the tax collector. One was willing to say, I'm a screw-up and I need you. And the other one wanted to just display why he should be saved. And why he was better than the other. And that's the lie that Satan wants us to live into. Because when we start living into that lie, we no longer need Jesus we just look to ourselves. We become our own savior. We get ourselves out of the bad problems that we create. That's what Lochte was trying to do. Get himself out of a problem that he created. And what happened is because he didn't step into humility at the beginning and just say, I mean, just think about how this would have changed the narrative. Yeah, the four of us, we went out, we got drunk. It was 
It was immature and wrong. And I pulled down a poster. And I thought that we were going to be held up. But it was really the security guard. And he needed us to pay for what we broke. And so we did. And I got worried. But I should have just said the truth. How would the narrative change? People would still have said, oh, that Lochte, he's awful. Few people, but others would have said, we appreciate the honesty because it's something that we don't see. Because God has called us to be different from the world. He wants us to speak in honesty. He wants us to speak with honesty with him and as we represent him to the world. Because we have nothing to prove. But we lie because we seek the approval of others more than the grace of God. We seek the approval of others more than the grace of God. And that's what the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector is all about. Jesus is inviting us to seek his grace, not the approval of others. Not to put on a mask and say everything's okay. Even when it's not. Not to omit certain facts when it betters ourselves. But to just step into that honestly. And say, Lord, I need you. I need you in every aspect of my life. Confess your sins to the Lord. And he will forgive you. And that is the beginning of him restoring this world. So he's asking us to approach in prayer in confidence and in... Let's make sure we get this. He's asking us to approach him in and... So confidence as the woman did with the wicked judge... Paul says it this way. So then, this is in Hebrews, not Paul, but the Hebrews writer in Hebrews chapter 4. So then, since we have this great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly when those obstacles come. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. We have nothing to hide. For he's faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find. Take a breath. When you approach God in confidence and boldness, you find mercy and you find grace to help us when we need it most. When you are hit with an obstacle, God is inviting you to approach him with confidence because he's always going to give you grace. He's always going to give you help. Paul says it this way to the Ephesian church. Chapter 3, verse 12. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into his presence. 
We don't have to try to show how we can walk up to God. God's already inviting us to do so. He's inviting us into humility. And he talks, Paul talks to the Philippian church this way. Don't be selfish. This is Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Boy, that could be a key verse, right? Don't be selfish and don't try to impress others. Maybe that should just be our theme as a church. Don't be selfish and don't try to impress others. Be thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests. Boy, is this stabbing you? Because it stabs me. But take interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. What does this look like in our life today? When you walk in humility with the Lord, what he's asking you to do, allow things to happen. Trust in him when those things happen. And seek his help when those things happen. And then faithfully walk forward. He's not asking you to make the perfect choice. Because guess what? We're not perfect and if you thought you made the perfect choice, you just lost being humble. He's just asking you to walk forward with him. To seek him. And if you mishear him and you make the wrong choice, approach his throne in confidence and he will give you grace. He's not trying to mark a list on how many perfect choices you make. You don't get a report card from the Lord. You get a love letter every day. Reminding each of you who you are in Him. You're His child, His daughter, His son who loves you. He wants to remind you of that every day. And He'll continue to be there with you even when you think you're all alone. Therefore, verse 9, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As we pray. Should we pray just before meals? We should, yes. Should we pray even more than just before meals? Is he asking us to pray beyond just this church service? Yes. Does he care about the things that are happening in your life? Yes. Now, this is the key, right? Because when I asked that question, a few of you said yes but the confidence wasn't there. So I've never had a problem, well, maybe I have at some point, 
This is going to lead into where I do have a problem. Um, I haven't had a problem in confidence. When I pray for something, I have confidence that I can enter that, that grace of the Lord, that I can ask Him for things. But the thing that He continues to work on me is in humility. Am I asking for those things as a sinner? Or am I asking for those things as someone who's entitled for it? So that's where I check myself. But I know that not all of you are just like me. Some of you, the humbleness is not the problem. He spoke in humility in your life and you come before him as a sinner and you know that. But as you approach him as a sinner, you're not confident that he actually is going to meet your request. Or that you're even worthy to make a request. So what I love about these two parables as we close today is that it speaks to the hearts of everyone in here. Whether you're overly confident and you approach God about everything, but he speaks into your heart and says, you're not entitled to this. And those things you did, it's not you do something and I do something. It's I do everything. You really did nothing. Or for those of you who go, the Lord does everything in my life and I am worthy of nothing. He speaks in your life and says, no, I, I've given you the entire kingdom because you're my son or daughter. You, you have full access to everything. So don't walk in scarcity. Walk in abundance. He wants us to have both confidence and humility. Two opposite things sometimes. But when they're in Jesus, they become one. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you brought us together today. As I read these words from Paul to the Ephesian church, may you speak these words into oikos. To those who have been with us for the last couple years, and to those who have been with us for the last year or the last few months, and for those who are with us for the first time today, may these words that were spoken to the Ephesian church 2,000 years ago breathe life into our lives as well. When I look at all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with the inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Now all the glory to God, who is able. Now all the glory to God, who is able. Through his mighty power at work within us, 
to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen.